love that you had for those that you created in your image. And in spite of our unfaithfulness and our sin, you loved us and sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be the payment for my sin and for the sins of each one that are bowed in, in the sound of my voice. For all of mankind, you came and you paid that price. Thank you. Thank you that you've made a way by accepting what was done on the cross. You've made a way for us to be made right with you. And that we can have an opportunity to spend eternity with our creator, our savior. God, in the next few moments, as we look into the word of God, I pray that your spirit would be free to touch our hearts. I know that in this past week, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in a lot of different people's lives. And I know it's easy for us to be distracted and not allow you to speak or not allow you to touch our hearts. And so we're asking that for the next few moments, your word would be, would be able to penetrate all that's gone on and that your voice would be heard. I pray that it's your words, not mine, that are heard this morning. Thank you for this group of folks. Thanks for them choosing uh, to be here this morning to worship together and to listen to your voice. Meet with us. Continue to meet with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You may have a seat. We're glad that you're with us and we have uh, been, been on a journey through the book of Genesis. It's a quick journey through the book of Genesis as we're going to hit just 14 topics. And then I messed it up uh, by choosing uh, last week after I finished uh, our, our, our topic last week and I was getting ready for this week to change what I was doing and do a continuation of last week because I didn't feel like we covered everything well enough. And so we did called last week. That was the name of the message. So we're doing called two this week, okay? As I was uh, working this last week on a number of different things, uh, just a whole bunch of thoughts went through my head about what it means to be called and kind of the beginning of the conversation. And last week, we introduced you to Abram's call. And we talked about his life, and we talked a little bit about how strange it was that Abram was called, really, out of a, a heathen background. His, his dad was an idol worshiper. And there's no indication that there was, in the city that he lived in, in Ur, that there was really much of anything for uh, a, a name, the name of Jehovah or, or anyone to point him toward God. Uh, but God shows up in Abram's life and he calls Abram. And we talked last week about this, that, that even though Abram uh, didn't have that background, he answered God's call. And he responded to what God asked him to do. And he worshiped God. Remember, he stopped after he had traveled a little bit and he paused and he made an altar and he, and he paused where he was and he said, look, this is all about God. This isn't about me. And he, and he reminded himself that, look, God's in control of what's going to happen, where I'm going to go, how this is going to work out. So I'm going to worship God. And we see that throughout Abram's life. And then he, he, God shows up again later and changes his name to Abraham and, and fulfills a covenant with him. But he keeps turning his attention back to God and worshiping God. And last week we, we finished up and we talked about this, that even though God called him and he answered and he responded and he worshiped God, he still fell. 
in his humanity, he still took some things in his own hands and decided to do them his own way. And there was a price that he had to pay for. There was consequence for that sin. And even after he made it right, if you keep going in the book of Genesis, you find that, that Abram doesn't really get over that. He keeps grabbing the same thing and he keeps dealing with the same thing because he does it again a little later in his life. The exact same scenario shows up. And again, instead of trusting God. And remember we said that when God called Abram, he called him with a promise, right? He said that the promise was is that I will make you a great nation. There's going to be a lot that's going to happen in this call. And there was a promise with the call. But I feel like when we stopped our conversation last week, or when I stopped talking, it wasn't really a conversation because you listened and I talked. So um, when we stopped last week, though, we left with maybe some questions about the call of God on our lives. And the reason I think that is because over my years, almost 30 years of, of ministry, uh, that's a question that comes up often from people. And they come to me and they say, Tim, I... I I want to live for God and I want to do what's right, but I, I don't know what God really wants from me. I, I don't know what he's calling me to do. Like, is, does God give me this audible voice and, and, and that's how I know what God wants from me? Does, does he, you know, pick up the, 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 the cell phone and, and I get a call and he says, hey, Tim, I need you to go here today or, or, or does, what happen? how does that work out? And, and so last week when we ended and I said, look, we got to respond to the call of God. We got to answer the call of God. I feel like there's probably a bunch of people who left saying, yeah, but that's great for, for Abram and that's great for the people in the Bible that, that he sent an angel to and said, hey, this is what I want you to do or, or, or that, that's great for you because you're in ministry and so you, God made it very clear to you. But I think he makes it clear to all of us and I don't want to leave you hanging. I, I don't want you to sit there and say, yeah, but God hasn't spoken to me. So, I think we need to continue this morning, and I want to try to bring a little more clarity. But in order to do that, we need to start at the same point we started last week. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 12, and I want to read the first four verses once again. Uh, they'll be on the screen for you, but here they are. The Lord said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and I will be a blessing, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth, or on the earth, will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. I want you to notice something again that God called Abram. It wasn't something that Abram made up on his own. It was a very distinct directive from God. This is what I want from you. But the question might be that we could ask, well, if we are applying this and looking at our own lives, we could say this, but what was Abram to do? What was it that God was calling him to do? And, and if you look at that passage, those first four verses, you realize this, that God showed up in his life and he said, I want you to go. I want you to listen to me. I want you to follow me. And I just want you to live your life doing those things. Going, following, listening, and being obedient. That's what I want from you. He didn't even tell them where he was going. He just said, Abram, I got a direction for you. You're headed that way. 
and I just need you to follow. I just need you to, to be obedient and just go. I need you to follow what I tell you. I need you to listen for me. And I just, I need you to be obedient. That's it. That's it. He didn't give him a plan. He, he didn't do a diagram. He didn't make a business plan for Abram, which is, it's sad, right? I mean, we, we want a business. We want to know what's, God, what is it tomorrow that you want? And he said, no, no, I, I just need you to obey. Just be obedient. That's what I need. But what you can't miss in these four verses, and it's really important that you don't miss this in these four verses, is what God was going to do. It's really important that you stop for a minute and realize this. See, we get caught up in God's call on my life. What does he want me to do? What did he want Abram to do? Well, he wanted Abram to be obedient. And we make the story about us, and it's not a story about us. It's not a story about Tim's life. When God calls us, it's not my story. It's God's story. It's what God is doing that actually matters. Remember from different places in Scripture where he talks about a potter and a piece of clay? And you remember in Romans when he talks about it? And he says, does the clay get a chance to tell the potter what it will be? What the clay is going to be? No, the answer is no, it doesn't. The potter decides what the clay is going to be. And if that vessel is going to be used for something super expensive and, and put somewhere in honor and shown off, or if that clay, that piece of clay, is going to be molded into something that will just be used for everyday use, it's the potter that gets to make the choice, not the lump of clay. And that's the story of our calling. That's the story of Abram's calling. It wasn't about Abram. It was about God. It was about who God is and what God was about and how God was going to fulfill his plan for all of humanity, that he was going to send a savior, that he had a plan in mind that, that would make mankind right with himself. And so the calling of Abram really isn't about him at all. It's about who God is and what God is trying to do and how God is working out his will and his plan for all of us. And the same is true for you and I. We want to make the story about us. We, as a little lump of clay who's being placed on a wheel, getting ready to be molded, want to say, Hey, Potter! I want to be an expensive plate that sits on a shelf and people look at. I really don't. I'd like to be used all the time. But that's what we want to do. We want to tell God what he's supposed to do with us. And God says, no, you're the clay. I'll mold you into what I have in mind for you. So we need to look here really quickly at what is it that God was going to do? Well, God was going to do everything else. Abram was going to be obedient, and God was going to do everything else. Look at the passage. Read it. I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those. I will curse those. I will be a blessing 
through, you will be a blessing through me. I will be the one who makes you into the person that you need to be. I will be the one who provides everything that you need. I'm the one who's going to direct this because I'm the potter and you're the clay. Believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning and you're wondering what you're called to, you're called to be obedient. Say, Tim, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to listen to God. That's it. Yeah, but, but, but what do I need to... No. No, God is going to do something in you. You need to let him do it. But what was... So what was Abram supposed to... Was he just supposed to sit there? No. He was supposed to become the person that God wanted him to be. If you looked at Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, it says this. I have chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him. Watch this. Read it with me. Read it on the screen with me. After him. To keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. Did you catch the line? Did you catch the line? He's supposed to lead his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. He didn't give him this great grand plan of all the people he would meet and all the places he would go and all the work that he would be involved in. No, God showed up to Abraham and he said this, look, this is what I need from you. I need you to listen to me. I need you to be obedient to me and I need you to live in a path of righteousness and I need you to follow my commandments and I want you to do it really, really well because I want your children to also follow me and the only way they're going to follow me is if you do it. Parents, are you asking your kids to do stuff that you're not even doing yourself in your spiritual life? Grandparents, are you asking your family to follow after God when in reality, in your own personal and private life, you're not? They don't do what you say. They do what you do. How we live our everyday life is what's being seen. The proof is in what we do each and every day. It's not in what we say. And God looks at Abram and he says this, look, I have a plan for you, but I'm going to do the work. I'm going to provide everything you need. And what I need from you is I need you to be the person I want you to be. I need you to live justly. I need you to make right decisions. I need you to listen to the commands of God. And I need you to obey them day in and day out because I want your family to follow those as well. And they're going to do what you do. We wonder why our homes aren't a great representation of Jesus Christ. And the reason is, is because maybe we're not. We wonder why our kids aren't following God. Well, maybe the reason they're not following God is because we're not really following God. Oh, we go to church. 
oh, we choose a few things that these are important. Oh, I, I wouldn't cheat on my taxes. But there's other things that nobody really sees it, so what's it matter? I don't have to be completely honest with that. If you remember last week in the Father's Day video, Steve said, speed limits, they're only a suggestion, right? We choose things all the time. And we say, I don't need to do that, but we're being watched. And God looked at Abram and he said, this is what I need you to do. I need you to live righteously and justly and follow my commands, and I need you to do it all the time. So how did God use Abram? Well, he used him in a couple of ways. One of the ways in chapter 14 is he used him to rescue his nephew Lot. If you looked at Genesis chapter 14, there's a, there's a story in there, and, and Abram was living his life. He was doing what he's supposed to do. He's, he's living his everyday life, and he had made, he made a treaty with some of the Amorites, and, and Lot was off by himself, and he was living among those Amorites, and, 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 and some kings came in, and they had a battle, and Lot got, got captured in that battle, and all of his possessions got captured, and Abram had made a treaty that he would help out that group of people. And if you read it there, 13 to 15, you'll find that one of the survivors came running to Abram and he said, hey, Lot and your nephew and a whole group of people that you made a treaty with, they've, they've had a battle and they've been captured. And so, so Abram grabs 318 of his servants who are trained, and he takes them and he chases after the kings and he captures the kings and he and he frees Lot and he brings all the possession back. And if you follow the story and he gives it all back to the people. You say, well, that's something he did. Yeah, he honored his word. That's what he did. It really wasn't that difficult. It really wasn't a great big thing. But, but what he did was what God commanded. God said, I want you to live justly. I want you to live right. I want you to follow my commands. And one of the commands of God is this, that you keep your word. And when you tell people something, you do what you tell them that you're going to do. And you don't lie. And you don't back out. And Abram says, look, God told me that all I was supposed to do was be obedient. And so I made this treaty with this group of people, and I'll be obedient. I'll do what I was supposed to do. And really, if you read the story there, I always read that and I go, he didn't have a mighty army. If you read about all the kings that came against in the battle that was fought, he shouldn't have won. He shouldn't have been able to get his, his nephew back. But remember God's promise. Remember what God said. God said, you be obedient to me, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And I will curse those who curse you. God's promise to Abram was this. Look, if you're obedient and you follow my commands, I'll be present with you. I'll be the one who directs you. I'll be the one who guides you. And in his everyday life, in his everyday living, he's just supposed to be obedient to God and let God do the rest. Let me ask you something, guys. Christ follower. Are you so busy looking for the call of God in your life that you're for forgetting to be obedient? <laughs> Are you looking for the big, the next big thing that God wants from you that you're forgetting to do the little things every day that God's asking? Are you begging God, God, show me the next thing that I should do? And he's saying, yeah, meet with me. <laughs> yeah, would you read my word? <laughs> 
Would you just pray a little bit? Hey, how about loving your family? Oh, I know. Love your neighbor. You said, Tim, you're being simple. No, that, that's it. That's what obedience is. It's those little steps headed in the same direction continuously. And God says, if you're obedient, I'll provide the rest. And that's what he did with Abraham. With Abram, he used Abram to rescue Lot. He kept his word. He honored his treaty. Hey, we're called to do the exact same thing. Hey, something else. God used him to be an advocate a little later on. If you look at chapter 18, God shows up in chapter 8. Literally, the Lord shows up. If you read the story with two other angels, they show up to Abram's tent. And Abraham stops. I love this part of the story. If you read it, I'll recap it quickly. But Abraham stops immediately when God shows up. And he stops and he goes and he tells one of his servants, go kill, the, kill a great calf. Let's get some food together. Tells it to Sarah. He says, but take the best flour that you have. Bake some great bread. And he sits down and he has a lunch with God. Wouldn't that be cool? Let's let, let bake him lunch. Let's sit down on the table. Let's have a conversation. Hey, you can do that. See this? It's the very word of God. He wrote it. The Bible tells us this. It's alive. It's God's voice. You can have breakfast with God. You can have lunch with God. You can have supper with God. You can have a bedtime snack with God. And when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're still hungry, you can have a midnight snack or 2 a.m. with God. That's what Abraham did. He stopped and he said, hey, let's stop, let's talk. And he talked with God. And you'll find that as that event unfolds, God decides to include Abram in what's about to happen. He gives him a promise there, by the way, that he would fulfill the promise of a child, a son. They're over 100 years old at this point. It's an amazing story. They're just living life, by the way. There's, it doesn't tell us that they were doing anything amazing. Actually, it says that he was sitting by his tent when God came. He's just living life. But God in, involves him in what's about to happen. And the next thing that's going to happen if you read that chapter is this, that God's getting ready to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And the scripture says this, that their sin was so vile that it had stood out before God. And God says, we have to do something about this. Homosexuality was part of the sin that was so vile. If you read chapter 19, you'll find that the entire city was involved in sexual impurity and immorality. And God says, I can't stand it any longer, and I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to judge them. And he tells Abram, he says, I'm going to wipe Sodom and Gomorrah off the face of the earth. And Abram turns to God and he says, God, if there are 50 righteous, if you remember the conversation, if there are 50, if there are 45, if there are 40, if there are 35, if there are 30, God, if there's 20, God, if there's 10, would you save them? 
Abram is fulfilling his obedience to God in that little story. You know that? Because what God had asked him to do was to live justly and right and follow the commands of God. And God's command is that he would love people. And Abraham is looking at that city, those cities, those two cities, and he's saying, God, look at the people. And if there's just a few righteous, would you save them? And God's answer is interesting there because he says, yes, I would. I would. And what that tells us is that there wasn't 10 people who were righteous in those cities that had a thought for God. But Abram does his job. He does what he was called to do. He's an advocate for people. He cares about people. He's being obedient. He's being just. He's being righteous before God. And he's saying, God, we're sinners and we're in need of your help. Would you be merciful? Would you be gracious? And God says, yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. So what do we know about Abram? What do we know about his call? Well, we know that God chose him to live right, to live justly, to follow the ways of the Lord. And we know that for the majority of his life, that's exactly what he did. He became the man that God wanted him to do. It wasn't big jobs. It wasn't flowery events in his life. Actually, most of the major events, if you read his life, they were done in private. They were small. They were done between he and his wife, between he and his son, between he and a servant. They weren't massive. He lived an everyday, ordinary... Think of this. He was nomadic. He had herds. He had flocks. And every day of his life, he had to keep flocks alive. And so at certain points, they would graze their flocks, and then they would run out of grazing. And so they would pack up their tents, pack up all they owned, and they would move to the next grazing place until the animals ate all of that. And then they would pack up their stuff, and they would move to the next place to graze until the animals ate all of that. And then they would pack up their stuff, and they would move to the next place to graze until the animals ate. And guess what would happen next? Does it sound like your job? Yeah. All of our jobs work like that, people. They become mundane. But what God asked of Abram is he said this, be obedient in the everyday life. Just live your life for me and I will do the rest. Because I'm God. Let me stop for a minute. You've been looking for a way out of the mundane? Are you believing the lie that we're told that everything about life should be exciting up and to the right? It's not true. God has asked us to be just, to be right, to be obedient in the everyday. That's what he's asked. And that's what Abram did. That's what we know. We know that he was called to keep his word. We know that he was called to be just and right. We know that he was called to be an advocate for the people. We know that he was called to follow the Lord. How about us? What are we called to do? What is it that God has called us to do? Let me give it to you. We're called, first of all, to be. 
to be the person God wants us to be. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. Here it is. For this is God's will. Here it is. You've been asking. Here it is. This is God's will. Your sanctification. Sanctification, right, is the process of being made holy. It's becoming more and more like God. Becoming more and more like his image. And he says this, this is God's will, your sanctification. In other words, your holiness, your becoming more like God, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his body in holiness and honor. This is God's will for your life. You're ready for this? This is deep. This is amazing. Here it is. God's will is that you would be pure. Ask him, what does God want from me? He wants you to be obedient. Young person, what does God want from me? I have my whole life stretching ahead of me. What is it that God wants? God wants you to stay pure. He wants your heart to be his. There's a verse that tells us this, above all else, guard your heart. For in it is the very essence of life. This is God's will for you, parent, worker, grandparent, that you become more like him. Every day of your life, that you yield to the spirit of God and you say yes to the truths and the commandments of God's word. How shall a young man cleanse his way? How? By taking heed to the word of God. What's God's will for your life? What's God's call on your life? That you'd be pure. That you'd be pure. That you would be the person he wants you to be. That you would become holy. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ and I'm becoming more and more like him. He wants me to be. What's God's will? What's God's call in my life? He wants me to share. He wants me to share the truth of God's word. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says it this way. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. What's God's will for your life? To be pure. What's God's will for your life? What's God's call in your life? To share God, to share what God has done in you, to be an advocate for people, to love people, to care for people, to show up in people's lives, to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. That's what he wants. It's not so much our job. It's not, it's not where we end up each day. It's what we do with the day. It's how we give away Christ in the day. It's how Christ is seen in us. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, to share the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you look at the New Testament, here's God's call on your life. In all of the New Testament, there are over 40 one another's mentioned in Scripture. You know what I mean by one another? Love one another. Bear one another's burdens. Listen to one another. Care for one another. 
Actually, there's one in there, right, that he tells us that we're supposed to encourage one another, comfort one another. We're supposed to reprove one another. There's a lot of, there's 41 another's in there. It's care for one another. So what's God's call in your life? Well, to be the Christ follower he wants you to be, to share the truth of Jesus Christ, and to care, to be an advocate for people. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what God's call for your life is? Don't you say no. Not after that. 30 minutes. God's call for your life and for my life is exactly the same as it was for Abraham. Follow my commands. Live justly. Live rightly. And make sure the people who are close to you know. That's what he said. I want your children to know. Believers, the calling of God on your life is not something that is mystical. It's not something that you have to search for. God is not hiding it, hoping that someday you'll find it. He gave it to everyone exactly the same. And he said, look, you be obedient to me, and I will provide everything else you need. Are you trusting him for that? Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you that it's not really a mystery what it is that you would have from us. You want us to be the people who are like you, who are pure of heart, who are saying yes to you, being obedient to your word. And thank you for the promise that you've given that you will provide everything else that we need. God, would you help us to be the normal, ordinary, everyday people who live for you in every aspect of our life? Grant us the strength, grant us the ability to say yes to you. In your name we pray, amen.